this, you know, ability to say in the moment, nothing matters more than showing compassion, showing kindness, showing true and authentic care for the human beings inside of your environment, for your clients, you know, for the world, for your community. And, and those moments make me think, all right, well, so we might've been flat on revenue growth this year. Oh, well, <laughs> did we have, you know, heart growth? Did we have connection? Did we make a difference? Did we inspire somebody to connect more deeply and more profoundly? Well, then, then I think we're on the right track. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 540. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I Before I jump in, yes, yeah, see, I'm so excited. I can't even get the words out of my mouth properly. <laughs> Shannon Adkins is our guest, and I will properly introduce her in just a moment. But we were having such a valuable and awesome pre-chat that I said, I just need to push record because we need to get all this like documented. So Shannon, I'm going to give you a quick introduction, and then I want to jump to what we were just talking about, and then we'll jump into like what you do. Oh my gosh, right. like I, I never say like like that. I don't know where that came it's from. It's because you're talking to a Californian. Okay. I, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to put all the blame on you. Some of our language. Yeah. True that. <laughs> See, that's my husband right there. I called out to my that. husband. That's, yeah. That's a good one. I had never heard it before I met my husband. Listener, Shannon is the CEO of Future Slate, and she began her, actually, this is this is quite the segue. She began her career at a small consulting company named Tech Pros, leading the development of the web consulting practice, which she had zero qualifications to do so, which is sort of ironic considering we were just talking about tech and tech challenges. And listeners, I was saying that I might put a new question in my client application. Are you tech savvy or tech challenged? And just work with the tech savvy people. But then we started talking about, or I, I said, you know, there should almost be a district in Oakland that's sort of like District 9 from the movie where all the aliens live in that one area. But I think it would be amazing. No ebooks, no technology, and people are actually social. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm in a six-week practice right now doing uh, like clean eating, random acts of kindness every day, uh, gratitude journal every day. Uh, exercise every day and mindfulness and meditation every day. And I, I kill it on the food. I kill it on the exercise. I'm great at the random acts of kindness. And I struggle every day to get 10 minutes of mindfulness and of, you know, put the phone down and put the computer down and just be present. So the other morning I thought, well, I could do two minutes. If I do two minutes at a time, five times a day, I'm there. Let me start with that and see if that's more adoptable to me. So I reached for my phone to set my two minute timer. <laughs> and of course, oh my gosh, that's so funny. immediately got pulled into, wait, what's happening on Facebook? And who's, oh, wow, look at that article. And before I knew it, eight minutes had gone by and I hadn't started the timer and I was deep in to the day's work of, you know, emailing this and posting that and resharing this and commenting on that. And thought, wow, this is way harder in the 21st century than it should be for me to find 10 minutes in a day where I can be still and present. <laughs> I'm working on it though. I'm committed to a breakthrough. Okay, but you're inspiring me because I love your practices. I have no problem on the gratitude and the journaling and the mindfulness, but it's the food and 
the exercise, which tripped me up constantly. I don't, this is so embarrassing. My, when I just said food, my stomach went, feed me. My husband is actually making lunch for me right now. That should be interesting later. Uh, You know, mouthful trying to ask you questions. But how did this six week practice start? So I have a, uh, I have a group. I, first and foremost, I hang out with some incredibly present and connected and committed to personal growth folks in my life have, have done so since the late nineties when I was introduced to personal transformation work through landmark education. If you've ever heard of that, that group forum. Yeah. So I did the forum and, you know, that's been 10 years since I really participated in those programs, maybe even longer, but the community that I made then are people that are up to something, right? They're constantly interested in what's the next frontier. How do I push and evolve? How do I become more self-aware? So a buddy of mine named Brian Mendelson introduced me to a program that he and a woman named Susie Filler had started called The Six Week. And I think it's $70 to participate. It's a group accountability structure. You set these these agreements in place and then you get education and coaching and feedback on sort of, you know, maybe what app to try for meditation or the difference between guided meditation and mindfulness or uh, on the nutrition, you know, understanding how food prep plays in your overall ability to really focus in on eating whole foods and no added sugar. So Brian and Susie created this program. I think it's the fourth time I've taken part. And every time I'm, you know, kind of learning something new about my own abilities and capabilities in these domains, you know, the random part of random acts of kindness was the piece that, that I struggled with. I'm, and actually to put it into existence on my calendar, kind of getting into the topic of your, of your podcast too. For me, if it's not in my calendar, it's probably not going to happen. So I might have sort of faked it till I made it with the, with the random act of kindness of, oh, here's a homeless person under the on-ramp as I drive by, I can, you know, hand over some cash or hand over an energy bar. And that that's good, but really thoughtfully thinking through what's a random act of kindness that I could do today that would further a woman in business yeah. that would provide something unique and interesting to my children. That would be an opportunity for me to show sisterhood. So kind of putting some parameters around my random acts of kindness so that they were in support of the broader commitments that I have in my life. I love that. So you're sort of unrandoming. Yeah. Unrandoming it. And and like. I did it. I checked the box. I, I snuck it in. I, you know, I've made a donation on somebody's webpage for their fundraiser, which is great. But I, I wanted to have the opportunity to be conscious about if I'm going to continue to do my, my normal kindness, what does random kindness mean? That's the kindness that I wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. So how do I think that through? And how do I, you know, put, put some structures around that? Wow. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately at night, and I don't have one. So I'm not giving you the opportunity right here to, to do your random act of kindness on me. <laughs> but more and more podcasters are actually starting Patreon pages mm. to help fund their efforts. And I think it's a great idea because we're putting content out there. But if there's not a business behind the podcast, it can get really pricey really fast. Yeah, and I think that that the monetization model for content and, and, and really mission, any mission, any mission driven enterprise today, you know, the nonprofit model is, is challenged. So folks really do need to think about that recurring revenue and income that supports and allows for the furthering of the mission. Absolutely. Now I definitely want to talk about you. 
I just want to take one more moment on the six week challenge. I think it's amazing that it's not free. And I mean that in a good way, because I have yes. found that so often when it's free, I'm not engaging. Like, okay, I didn't pay for it. I don't need to do it. Five day free Facebook challenge. Eh. Yes. Whatever. It's not going to, what is it going to hurt me really if I don't participate for a day? But now you've got some skin in the game. That's right. And it could be like $7, but really, when it doesn't cost more than your cup of coffee in the morning, okay, seven is a little, the seven is a super duper mega huge Starbucks with all the, with all the toppings. But, you know, when it doesn't cost more than your cup of coffee for a month, okay, that's a lot. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. get some skin yeah. in the game and actually make it real. I, no, this is not what you do, but you are partaking in it right now. But I would love to get a link so that listeners and I can find out where to go and sign up and get some skin in the game because that is exactly what I'm trying to do in my own life right now. I think it's the sixweek.com. Let me just double check while we're sitting here to make sure that's right. I know they're on Facebook under the six week and I know they're on Instagram six, and that's a, as six week Susie. Let me double check. Yep, the sixweek.com. Now, is it spelled out six or is it yep, the number it six? Is, yep, it's spelled out S I X W A dot com. Amazing. I just I just found it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I am working on my diet and also on my exercise. I was recently at an event and they took pictures to put on these envelopes where we would get feedback and invitations to be on other people's podcasts. Now I was one of the icons, but I could still be invited to be on other people's like the audience's podcasts and such. But this mm-hmm. picture, Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace. I have five kids. However, I have not given birth in four years. So what does it still look like? I'm pregnant with twins. My last birth was twins. Okay. So, <laughs> but still, so I've actually gone gluten, corn and dairy free. But I fell off the wagon and my ears, when I eat gluten, my ears itch like you would not believe. Oh my gosh. So I need to get back on it because or else I look like a dog that's constantly, you know, I look like a dog with fleas when I eat gluten. That's so funny that your body lets you know what works and what doesn't work. I've dropped about 55 pounds in the last two years, Uh, maintained it for a year, dropped it in a year and, and got about maybe 10 to 15 more to go. And I'm 46, so, you know, it, it takes a little longer at that age in, in some cases, in many cases. But listening to my body it was really the primary thing. It's, it's not a diet. It can't be a diet because it won't last. It's about what do I actually need to eat to feel fueled? What do I need to eat to feel rejuvenated? What do I need to eat to feel satisfied? And how long does it take for me to wean off added sugar since it's in everything? And how are my emotion? What is my emotional stability like when I'm off sugar? And it is for me, it's this very visceral feeling when I when I have sugar, even just the littlest bit, non-naturally occurring sugars added to pasta sauces or a bite of chocolate or, you know, a scoop of frozen yogurt, the level at which my irritability increases, the extent oh my to gosh, I find myself yeah. easily annoyed and feel uh-huh. that hot, you know, generally from my children, but feel that hot, you know, hot rage coming up the back of my neck versus if I have had zero to, you know, no added sugars. I can tolerate just about everything. I just, it rolls right off me and I can walk away and, and kind of, you know, redirect and reformulate my point of view. So, and it's just learning how to listen 
to my body and deal with the fact that while I want the reward of a bite of dark chocolate or the reward of a glass of red wine, what I want more than that is, you know, to be here for the next 30 years to see my kids and grandkids and to be the kind of parent that can, you know, drop at, at the moment of a drop of a hat can jump up and play Frisbee with the kids or hike Half Dome or whatever those things are. So for me, it was really about what is the life I want to have available to me? And then what are the conditions that make that possible? Absolutely. Now, my husband knows what I like to eat. Like I, I want to find these substitutes that are wheat, dairy, and corn-free. Yeah. And he brought me home. And Hershey's has this new bar. Sorry, I'm not trying to tempt anybody. Stay away. Okay, it's addictive. Hershey Gold Caramelized Cream Peanuts and Pretzels. And the empty wrapper for this extra large bar <laughs> is right next to me. And you had me looking at the ingredients. First ingredient, sugar. Listeners, by the way, this was not intended to be an episode all about health, nutrition, but I think it's so important. And now I'm looking through. I had no idea that there was wheat flour. So there you go. along with the um, the itchy ears, my feet also start, or they get really hot. And I cannot stand hot feet. Isn't that interesting? So we had this thing happening where people were talking about coming to Future State, our company, and gaining the Future State 20. And I, you know, that was, yes, a function of having snacks on site, you know, periodic happy hours. We're in downtown Oakland, so there's lots of great restaurants and bars nearby. But I just thought this cannot be part of our of our legacy. We value our culture. We value wellness. We value, you know, integration of life and work. We value seeing people as whole people. We have to reverse this. So Kathy, COO, and I both took on our health. She started a little ahead of me. She got about a six-month start on me. And I'm happy to say that now people talk about losing 20 pounds when they come to work for Future State because we have workout class. We're small. We're only 80 people, but we'll have workout classes once a month in our in our office. We, you know, they see Kathy and I leaving work in the middle of the day to go to the gym, coming back red faced and sweaty, jumping on a conference call, then heading down to the showers to to rinse off or whatever that might look like, or going for a walk around the lake as a meeting time. And I think it's just really important as a leader to set the example for your team that you value your own health and well-being, that of course you're passionately and ravenously committed to the business being successful, but you're equally committed to your own well-being and to your longevity and your ability to lead from a place of, of wellness. It's incredibly important. It's incredibly hard. But if I don't do it, nobody on my team will. If they don't see that I prioritize it, they won't take it for themselves either. Absolutely. Now, what about sleep? I'm a good sleeper. I mean, I could be better at times. Q4 in our business is always really busy. So right now I'm getting about six and a half to seven hours of sleep a night. I do better with eight, but absolutely sleep's, sleep's really important to me. <laughs> I mean, I my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was 49. I'm 46. I don't intend to have Alzheimer's, but I certainly have spent my entire adult and most of my career knowing that there are no promises. Everyone should know that. But, you know, it was made very viscerally real for me at a pretty young age that this could all be gone and I may not be able to be a strategic thinker and, and successful businesswoman. And and I certainly don't want to wait until, you know, quote unquote, retirement to live a full and robust life. That's just not an option for me. So I have always been a 40 hour a week work person. 
I don't subscribe to the idea that people, especially people, you know, hey, if you want to make it to the top, you need to work 40 hours. You need to work 40 hours a day, not 40 hours a week. I don't subscribe to that belief. I don't. And I won't do that for myself. So I, I try to be between 40 and 50 hours a week of work, you know, in our busy times. And I try to take some space and be 35 to 40 hours a week in our less busy times. And we have an unlimited PTO policy and I, I take my PTO. So the team sees that, yeah, I'm committed to the business. I'm not going anywhere and I'm not going to quit until we're successful and hit our goals, but I'm going to go home at night and be with my family and eat dinner sitting at a table. And I'm going to spend time exercising and I'm going to travel. And uh, that's so amazing. And you're the CEO. So I'm the CEO, yeah. You, I mean, leadership starts here. That's right. Well, yeah. and in the 21st century, I think if we are not, if we're not willing to put our money where our mouth is about life-work balance or integration and the fact that, you know, yes, business exists for the purpose of, I don't know, you know, in some, for some people exists for the purpose of making money. And th- it doesn't have to be just that. It mm-hmm. can be, you know, certainly for us as a triple bottom line company and as a, as a B Corp and as an employee owned company, you know, I get the benefit of, of working to make money for my shareholders who just happen to be my employees. Right. <laughs> so, so that's good news for me. But, you know, I think that's the balance is if we can do good work and make a difference in our community and be compensated in a way that allows us to live a full and robust life, isn't that enough? Right. If we're making a difference and we're we're growing and evolving our team and the clients that we're working with are better off because of the work we've done with them. You know, can't that be enough? It's a very radical thought here in the Silicon Valley. (laughs) But can't that can't that be enough? (laughs) I was an interior architect before the economy helped me exit my (laughs) first stage of my career, which was a blessing. Don't get me wrong. But there were half-hearted attempts at corporate wellness programs. Mm -hmm. And I think, and this was a decade ago, I hope that it's changed since then. But a lot of companies, I don't think, understand that if they put more focus on the wellness of their employees, number one, they would have happier employees, but they would also have healthier employees mentally, physically, you know, their healthcare premiums could go down because their employees aren't as sick all the time because they're taking care of each other or taking care of themselves. That's right. Mentally and physically. Yeah. And when you see that happening in your, in your culture, we had a woman on the team recently who got some pretty devastating news about a death in her family, you know, in the middle of the workday. And when you see that the entire office, I mean, this is the way it just should be, right? But the whole entire office stopped everything and immediately went to support her and see what she needed and to give her a hug and to find space to give, you know, help her through the moment of shock and the help provide that clarity that she needed of, you know, it's time to close your laptop and it's time to go. You know, <laughs> It's now time for you to not worry about finishing that deliverable. Everybody else on the team can rally around it, or we can call the client and tell them that deliverable is not going to be done today and it may not be done tomorrow either. And if the client has a problem with that, then they just aren't our client. And that's okay too. Right. Oh, and so I love that. This, you know, ability to say in the moment, nothing matters more than showing compassion, showing kindness, showing true and authentic care for the human beings inside of your environment, for your clients, you know, for the world, for your community. And, and those moments make me think, all right, well, so we might have been flat on revenue growth this year, 
oh, well, (laughs) did we have, you know, heart growth? Did we have connection? Did we make a difference? Did we inspire somebody to connect more deeply and more profoundly? Well, then, then I think we're on the right track. Oh my gosh, I could give you a big hug. (laughs) So a virtual hug is coming your way. But now that we've gone all this way, I know listeners are wondering, okay, so what do you do? And what does this company do? So can you take us on a journey from where you started to where you are now and what you actually do? I know you're the CEO, but there's so much more. Yeah, so Future State was Tech Pros. So that company that you spoke about in the early introduction, Tech Pros was my first my first job out of college. In fact, right before or right at the time that we really were starting to understand that my mom did have Alzheimer's, I was working for the founder of Tech Pros, a woman named Meryl Natchez. And Meryl, you know, took me as an English major from UC Santa Barbara who did not own a computer and said, well, you should probably do something with the internet. And you seem smart and hungry and ambitious. So figure out what that is and what we should be doing. So I absolutely dropped into this world of technology inadvertently and unexpectedly with no real qualifications. Now, that said, that was what was happening for everybody in San Francisco in the 1990s, late 1990s, was if you could walk, talk, breathe, you were doing something in in the burgeoning internet, you know, worldwideweb.com economy, and none of us knew what we were doing. So I was in good company. <laughs> but, that's but, uh, why we needed to be told that we had mail. You've got mail. Or that's you, yeah. Yes. And we were, you know, both simultaneously young and, and cocky as, as every, you know, young college educated person probably is. And then the environment was like, well, you know, as much as anybody else does, because none of us know anything. So why don't you go figure it out? And we got to grow up. I got to grow up in my career in a time when not knowing anything was expected. And we could all experiment and, and test the waters and, you know, fail spectacularly because people were failing all around us. I'm, I'm not sure if that time will ever come again. But it was a great time to be starting your career. What stood out, though, was Meryl's willingness to put myself and and our now COO, Kathy Crumpy, and another team member of ours, Lynette, who's been here the entire time, Jennifer Ribley, women who I'm still leading this company with today, into positions of authority and accountability way beyond our, our years and trust us to fail but learn and evolve and, and, and the culture that she'd created, which was almost all women and was highly flexible, adaptable, a lot of hard driving, accountable people who wanted to prove themselves and make a difference, but no really structured management style. Uh, and, and I loved it, you know, and, and when I left Future State, what was Future State then was called Tech Pros. Uh, I went and worked at Wells Fargo for a while, worked at a number of venture back startups, worked at Intuit for four years, leading the software development platform, and then back to another couple of venture back start, startups and continued to strive for an environment where I could be loved and could love at work. And I found moments, you know, moments with individual bosses, moments with individual teams where that experience of love and trust and collaboration was present, but I never found entire cultures like that. So as I became a mom and sat down with my husband and really talked about what mattered most for our family, you know, not commuting mattered, uh, working in an environment where I felt supported and seen mattered. So I, uh, I told my husband one night, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, company X and I'm going back to tech pros. My husband's stay at home dad. And he looked at me like, what? You haven't worked there in 10 years. What are you talking about? (laughs) And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm going back because 
I want to work somewhere where I can be myself and be appreciated and loved for who I am. And then I'll do my best work. I'm sure of it. And that's what I want to do. And so I woke up the next morning and there was an email in my inbox from Merrill, who I hadn't spoken to in probably eight years, saying, uh, the company needs you. I have sold the company to the employees. I think you should come back. I think it'll be good for you. And I think it'll be good for the company. So you had told your husband the night before, but you hadn't yep. even talked to her yet. I had not. We, we have a lot of magic yeah. in this company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't interview anywhere else. I took a $100,000 pay cut. I came back to the company and started selling and, and understanding that the company was in need of a bit of a turnaround. Revenues were declining. Uh, everybody had actually, ta- actually taken a 10% pay cut. The company was needing to have a breakthrough. And so we started that path. And about six months after I started, Kathy Crumpy, my now COO, came back and she saw what I was doing and selling new services and offerings and said, I want to help make that the future of the company. And how can we do this together? So she and I started basically selling things that we had no business selling because we had no credibility that we could deliver them, but (laughs) we sold them and then we delivered them. And then, you know, we were, then we were off and running and had the opportunity to do a lot of transformational work with Roche and Genentech, large biotech company here in the Bay, which sort of solidified our, our path towards being a transformational consulting company. And uh, here we are now eight years later and, and we've, we've turned the company around. We're we're back up to $15 million in annual revenue. We're about 80 people. Uh, we're known for strategic consulting services, both in large enterprise and, and in smaller businesses. We have our new brand. We're in Oakland. And then in 2015, I took over as CEO. Kathy took over as COO. And we've been, you know, kind of building out what do the next 10 years look like for our, for our firm uh, we became a B Corp, which is a triple bottom line company certified by B Labs as committed to people, planet, and profit. And we, uh, when we okay. continue B-Corp? to own our business. That, I've yeah. never heard of that before. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah so there's about 2,500 B Corps on the planet. And a B Corp is an organization that voluntarily commits to assessing their, their success, their practices against a set of KPIs. Uh, across five domains, governance, purpose, uh, employees and how you take care of your team, community impact, sustainability, both environmental sustainability, uh, product sustainability. And then, of course, they're all for profit entities. So if they're not, you know, keeping the lights on, they're not they're not going to be able to do any of those other things to scale and improve their impact. So we are what's considered a best for the world B Corp. Our, our B Corp rating on a scale of 200 is about 130. And uh, we are really recognized for how we take care of our team. Uh, other B Corps you would know include Patagonia. So Patagonia is a B Corp. Danone uh, is a B Corp. Ben and Jerry's actually sort of initiated and founded the B Corp movement. Mm. Um, so brands that you know of that are social enterprises who say, yeah, profit matters, sustainability and our revenue streams matter, but also how we take care of our people, how we take care of our community and how we take care of the planet. You've just given me something big to aspire to. It's a pretty cool thing. And it's a pretty amazing community, not without its own flaws. Um, there does still seem to be still this dichotomy that people believe it's an either or either you're sort of benchmarked and best practice in hitting your profitability targets and your growth targets and your business targets. Or you can be, you know, 
heart-led, human-centered, and sacrifice some of your margin and profit in order to be a purpose-driven company. And I really hold that you, in the 21st century, every business needs to be both. And anybody that wants the privilege of leading a company, any company, needs to be able to figure out how to build a sustainable business model and do that in a way that does no harm and, if possible, does good for the community uh, and the planet as a whole. We are privileged to work and and run businesses in the United States of America or in the civilized world. And uh, if folks in Africa can figure out how to have a social-based entrepreneurial, you know, landscape, we can figure it out too. <laughs> so, so I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty bullish on the idea that business as a force for good is is the path for our nation, for capitalism, for for the planet. Well, that's a big aha that I've had in the last month. Because I was asking prospective team members impact or income. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to know which one they would decide. But then I brought this up in a previous episode and the guest said, but why do they have to choose one? That's right. And that was a huge aha for me. Now, I love this on your website where you write, we enable extraordinary visions that positively impact the world. That's right. Mm. It's broad. A lot of things fit in that. We're actually thinking of refining it maybe in the the coming weeks, actually, to say we enable extraordinary visions that positively impact the world by making the world of work work today or the 21st century of work, you know, the future of work work today. This notion that the way that work is organized today is a fundamental departure or it should be a fundamental departure from how work was organized in the 20th century or the 19th century. So we are saying it's the end of hierarchical organizational structures. It's the end of tops down. It's the end of siloed work. It's the end of individual performance. It's the end of deep functional expertise with, uh, you know, sort of narrowing and narrowing focus. It's time for people to kind of move up and out and understand that it takes the entire All of the folks inside of the organization with their broad diversity of experience and background and perspective to solve the world's meatiest challenges. And we need to figure out how to organize for that. Wow. Now, I have to share that I was helped out the door from my last position in interior architecture because it was individualized. There was Mm -hmm. no team supporting me. And I had actually had a health crisis that year. I, I was sleep deprived and I was not taking care of my thyroid put the two together and you have a disaster. Mm-hmm. So I was actually out for six weeks. I spent a very expensive week in the mental hospital, mm-hmm. but I was out for six weeks. And when I got back, because it was an individual effort, nothing had been done on any of the schools that I was designing. There you go. And rather than give me backup support from others, like drafts people who could have very well been helping me with all my drawings. Yeah, like work harder, work work harder, work harder. That's right. Did you hear that? I just said, like, I'm not saying to you, but I wanted to say to them, I just got out of the mental hospital. Yeah, let's let's support me in coming back healthfully. Yeah, for sleep deprivation, but you want me to push harder. So Mm -hmm. ceiling colors wound up on the walls, and wall colors wound up on the ceilings, which is very interesting in a school. I mean, (laughs) especially the elementary schools I was designing. You know, red ceilings, white walls. It was not how it was supposed to be. But I had never really thought about it until now how that is not a B company. Whoa. And B Corp. Yeah, well, yeah, which stands for benefit. How does that work, right? You, you make no space in the design of your operating model for human beings to be human. 
you, you know, so you had a health crisis. It could have been your mother that had a health crisis. None of us can afford the care for our, our aging loved ones. So you need to sort of shore up immediately short-term care. You need to figure out how to take it. Like if there is no space in the operating model and the design of any enterprise for life to happen to human beings, it is destined to fail because life is going to continue to happen to human beings. <laughs> and so, yeah. we, you know, we have to be able to absorb that in our operating model, in our business model. Does that mean that you have to figure out what is my lever then? Okay, I'm going to have to charge more for my services and for my goods in order to provide the kind of work environment that sustains and, and allows team members to thrive. Yeah. So great. Figure out how to be more differentiated. Figure out how to deliver more value. Or maybe it is, wow, you know what's going to happen when I take care of my team is they're going to take care of me, which means that if I do need them to put in incremental effort over the weekend because one of their team members has fallen ill, they are going to do it without even asking. And actually, when they get recruited by another company that wants them, maybe even wants to pay them more, they're going to ask questions about, yeah, but how are you going to take care of me and my well-being and my family? And how committed are you to me as a human? And maybe they're going to stay and they're going to be retained more easily, which means I have reduced operating costs from recruitment and onboarding and hiring and backfilling and off offboarding. And so all of these things fit into your operating model. And if you aren't innovative or creative enough to see what levers you have to push in order to make the math work, then you probably can't, shouldn't be in the job. <laughs> That's kind no of kidding. How meant to that? <laughs> Shannon, a week before I was fired slash laid off. I was supposed to have my annual review and I was also like heavy in the midst of major deadlines and I had the flu. No joke. I was like 103, 104 fever. My eyes were so swollen and I was coughing like you wouldn't believe like I've never had a flu like that before. So in light of my deadlines and my review, I showed up at work Mm. and pushed ahead and they're like, well, thank you for being here. Keep on going, Mm. but we're going to cancel your review. Mm. stay away from me like well with my team member now one of my team members was not feeling well and I actually sent a message and I was totally joking but serious at the same time I said take care of yourself or you're fired mm-hmm. like I would have just maybe not at that time because I learned so much in the decade since but I would have been like go home I mean the, yes. the amount of hours that it is taking you to get this done is not worth it because it's going to take longer for you to to feel better that's right then if you just go home and heal that's right yeah Yeah. that's a common refrain around here (laughs) go home (laughs) yeah why are you even here i mean especially with paid time off yeah just right yeah well because they're accountable i mean that that's the thing that's why i have unlimited paid time off for my team is I have to convince them to take time off, right? They are so accountable to the business and so accountable to their clients that they want to push through. They don't want to let anybody down. And it's really reminding folks in the moment, it'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) The work will be here tomorrow. It's not going anywhere. And the best thing you can do is to be well. So my husband and I have never taken our honeymoon just because Mm. it's not a bad thing. Like I just told him I said I don't see why we need to wait a year to get married and plan some big fancy thing the important part to me is that we get married I mean we're in love we know that we want to get married so why are we waiting so we did it on a weekend very small and then we went back to work on Monday so we're looking at taking our quote honeymoon in the 
next May or next April. And we were looking into going away, you know, like sandals or an all-inclusive resort. Yes, that's not quite in line with my diet, but let's make it all-inclusive and make it good. Life life does not always want a diet and that is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, but then we're exhausted. I mean, we have five kids in the house and we decided two nights ago, the Motel 6 down the road is just fine. (laughs) And we're serious. Like, it's not a budgeting thing. We're like, okay, we will have our own room where no kids are going to be pounding on the door. We'll have our own bathroom where nobody needs to go pee when we're in there. That's right. And we'll have our own TV where we don't have to watch Frozen and Moana all day. That's right. (laughs) And But my husband surprised me. He said, but does Motel 6 have Wi-Fi? (laughs) And he doesn't even have a laptop. He's got a desktop. And it does. But I was like, okay, this is our honeymoon. That's right. I'm leaving it at home. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. When you said that you were talking to your husband about leaving your previous job and going to what is now Future State, you said you didn't want to... Future State. State. Thank you. Future State. Positive productivity. Not always about perfection. I can't even pronounce my own name some some episodes. That's Um, right. You said you didn't want to commute. Yeah. So what are you... Oh, I, you, I live three miles from the office. There you go. <laughs> so, but in Oakland, uh, how long does that actually take you? Uh, you know, it, it can take, well, I, we have a lot of people who complain about the traffic and I have very low tolerance for that because we live in the most extraordinarily vibrant economy on the planet, maybe, right? So I, for me, like, we live in an urban environment. Everybody wants to have an opportunity to live and work here and we get to, so suck it up. So I, it can take, if I, if I don't time it at all and I just go in the middle of rush hour, it could take 30 minutes to come through the tube. Cause I actually live in Alameda, which is a little Island off the coast of Oakland. But if you leave half an hour earlier, it takes 11 minutes. Well, so there you go. Yeah. So it, and I usually take a Lyft or an Uber I can't walk or bike yet because it is through a tube that goes underground and, mm-hmm. and I don't want that carbon monoxide hoping they're going to build a bike or pedestrian bridge, you know, in my lifetime over the, over the waterway there, but there's public transit. I'm not so great at that, but lift lift works. It's about a $7 lift ride and parking is 20 bucks. So I save money lifting over. over yeah. Park. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was, Working in Manhattan, I was living outside in Westchester, and the grocery was only like a mile away. Uh, but it would take 45 minutes some days to get there because traffic was just ridiculous. Yeah, thank God for Amazon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but this was like 2001. Yeah. So at that point, you know, there was none of this online ordering. My husband went to the grocery last night and picked up an order that I had placed via ClickList, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Now, well- Love that. I thankfully I prepared him because I basically did two weeks of shopping, and for a family of seven, that's pretty. That's a lot. Yep, yep. I mean, it was a four hundred dollar grocery order, but thankfully, yeah. no eating out for the next week to two. Yeah, but it's amazing. And now, I mean, we're in small town Ohio. That's the miraculous thing about the way that my company works is that my team. There's nobody in Ohio. I mean, the closest team member is hundreds of miles away and then I've got team members around the world so you know there's there's no commute but sometimes it's bad because well days like today I'm still wearing my pajamas (laughs) (laughs) 
live stream for I me like until I get dressed. Day. I, I had one of those. I think last last week there was one day I started working at 7 a.m. at the desk and I think I got up and, and took a shower at four. So it happens. It's it's a part of uh, some days you just need to just power through and like you said, have somebody hand you a sandwich and just keep going. <laughs> what would you say has made you a successful CEO? Well, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I I think that what's really resonating with me right now is both self-awareness and relentlessness. So I'm I'm not sure I'm the best CEO. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I'm not sure I have 100% of the right strategy in place for a future state. I am absolutely positive that I am more committed and I'm not going to quit. And, and then I've got a great part, you know, great set of partners on the same path. So I guess I think there are no absolute right answers. There's experimentation, there's listening, there's testing, there's trusting your gut, there's executing, there's knowing how to pivot quickly and committedly being okay with yourself and your mistakes when you make them because you will and not beating yourself up too badly. Yes. <laughs> like saying the name of your company wrong on my own podcast. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, leaving people in tears when you had yeah. no intention of hurting them. Right. Or, I mean, those are the things that get to me thinking that I could be perfect and never leave anybody feeling diminished, demoralized, unheard. Mm this thing that I count on for myself of being someone who loves people and, and sees them for their greatness. I hurt people too. I have left people feeling less than, and that I could beat myself up about that for days. The failures that I've had in how I've communicated with someone or with teams, the places that I've missed, the places where my tone was off that I may not even really understand what I said wrong or when I said it wrong, but I know that I hurt somebody because they tell me, right? And I know that I could do better. I can aspire to do better next time while also knowing that I will I will hurt somebody again. And and staying sort of, one of my favorite expressions is you go to bed at night with your, you know, you sleep, go to sleep at night with yourself. And can I go to bed every night feeling like I operated with integrity that I brought my best self to every conversation? And if I didn't, can I go back and clean it up and ask for forgiveness and the opportunity to make it right? And you know, have, have compassion and space for my own humanity in the journey. And that, that's probably the biggest thing for me is that's path. That's, I think women, we are really hard on ourselves. We expect ourselves to be perfect. We expect each other to be perfect in ways that we don't necessarily expect the men that we work with to be perfect, especially on the emotional front. Um, and are you talking I think, about my husband, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if, if there was a, if there were things that I've done, ways I've communicated that didn't land well for the team, the team might hold it against me more aggressive in a more aggressive or sort of a more significant way than they might if it was a man that was the CEO of the company, because they just wouldn't have that expectation that he would always be kind, nurturing, connected, present, right? So there's this unattainable standard of perfection, I think, that we first and foremost hold ourselves to, mm -hmm. but also hold each other to as women that I think is something that re will require some examination in, in the leadership circles of women-led and women-owned organizations. Future states, 87% women. So, you know, we certainly have a very unique culture in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> and there are, there are some things that emerge for us that I don't, I don't think show up in a mostly male company. Other things show up in mostly men companies, not better, not worse, but different. Different. Yeah. How was your golf game this morning or yesterday? 
<laughs> I don't I don't golf. Yes, that's right. I don't golf. I don't have the membership to the elite uh, golf courses or the the rooms in the Warrior Stadium for schmoozing and hobnobbing. Um, I could take somebody horseback riding, but generally speaking, that's not what they want to do. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. You've got me thinking right now about two other guest episodes I've had recently yesterday. Listeners, and I'm sorry, you're going to hear me talk about this over and over again because it's just right there in my mind right now. Yesterday, Jared Hanning was on and he was talking about how he was riding his horse in his business. You know, he wasn't riding the right way. And just as a joke, I, I said, you know, there's been times that I've ridden my horse upside down and backwards and that's not a pretty sight. <laughs> and then I realized he asked me a couple more questions. That's what I was doing. But that actually makes me think of, and listeners, you can listen to that episode at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP536. By the way, I want to hear your ahas on this episode and what you think. So you can go to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP540 to leave to leave comments in your ahas in the comments area below the show notes. Yesterday, I spoke with Shanti Yogini, and she told me three questions that she asked herself when she was in a place where she knew her life had to pivot. Do you have any questions that you, and I'll go back to what her questions are in just a moment, but do you have any questions that you ask yourself to measure the quality of a day? Is it fun? Yeah. Did I have fun? <laughs> did I have fun? Did I make a difference? And did I grow? So my husband and I created a mission for our life when we got together. I love that. And it was to live a life of adventure and making a difference. So everything is inside of that. You know, if I'm learning and it's fun, it's an adventure. Uh, and did I make a difference? Wow. Can I borrow that? My husband made a mission. <laughs> When my husband and I started dating, we, he, I should say, had no intention of ever getting married again. I'm number three. And he didn't want more kids. He had two, I had two. Now, he's the one who proposed to me, and he's also the one that suggested that we have a kid of our own, which yeah. turned into one and then an oops of twins. So, <laughs> you know, there's no plan. But yeah. I would love for us to include spontaneity in our mission because we've definitely gotten used to it. Shanti's questions were, am I free? Am I present? And am I giving? Mm. And she had me feeling such immense mommy guilt because, mm. I mean, we recorded on Monday. We had just gotten through a tough weekend in my house where the kids were just being a challenge. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. And I was also trying to meet lots of client deadlines. So I was not free. I was not present. And I was definitely not giving. So I... You were human in that moment. I was definitely human. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But isn't that the thing is to love ourselves in the moments where we are not achieving our our own standards for ourselves, to love ourselves in those moments as much more than we love ourselves when we're firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I've had to learn how to give myself more grace and every day I have to learn again. Yeah. You know. That's the thing. I think that's the thing is I think... I think men are better at that. <laughs> I would like to teach. I would like to teach my daughter that, and and I don't want my son to lose it. But I uh, I would like to teach my daughter that it's good and healthy to aspire and to drive and to be committed, and it's also good and healthy to know that you will fall short and you are still what you know of value. You are still of worth. You are mm-hmm. still you know 
perfect, quote unquote, perfect. Yes, definitely. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? Oh, I'm going to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So my husband's turning 50 and we decided to do a trip, just the two of us to Puerto Rico so we can have an adventure and make a difference. And we're going to do hopefully a few days of service and a few days of kicking back on the beach. I've bought my first ever bikini and I'm going to rock it, even though it's definitely, I'm definitely a 46 year old woman in a bikini, but I'm going to rock it. And we're going to, you know, hopefully do some, do some good work down there. Certainly spend some money and make a difference in a community that needs it and, uh, and enjoy some time, just the two of us. I don't know if I'm more inspired by the trip to Puerto Rico. I can never say it right. I can't roll my R's and what you're going to be doing down there or more inspired the fact that you're going to have your first bikini. <laughs> I've never had one. And wow. I, like that's incredible. Congratulations. That's amazing. I'm not going to look perfect in it, but that's part of the journey, right? Is, yes. What would it be like to actually sit on a beach in a bikini and to not have my tape in my head running the entire time saying, well, I don't look so great. That's a little tight across my back. And, you know, what would it be like to be that, to be that person who can be that embodied, be that present, be that self-loving, to have fun in a bikini. So that's, that's my little test I'm giving myself down there. It might only be one of the six days we're there, but I'm going to do it. And then hopefully, yeah, find some opportunities to give back while we're there. This is so not appropriate to be sharing, but I, I think I would be more comfortable on a nude beach than I would yeah. be wearing a bikini. I know listeners, I probably shocked you with that, but I have been on a nude beach and I have been nude on a beach that that's funny that you say that, I, or at least top. I, so yes, I guess I was too, uh, at that time, more comfortable with that because everybody was you know, free. Yeah. And it was very clearly okay. Versus yeah. When there is a particular standard at, at play. Yeah. I mean, there's no questions asked then you can see it. So, and I don't think people care as much because everybody or a lot of people are naked. Shannon, this has been an incredible chat. Thank you so much for joining me here on Positive Productivity. Where can listeners find you online, get to know more, and connect with you? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I definitely look for Shannon Adkins with a D at Future State on LinkedIn. And then our website is www.futurestate.com. And we've got our job listings there, our blog postings, uh, sometimes our events. You can sign up for our newsletter there, uh, which includes kind of what we're reading, what we're thinking about, how we're seeing the world of work evolve and transform, and would love to keep in touch in those ways. Awesome. Listeners, that will again be included in the show notes, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP540. Shannon, thank you so much again. This has been an incredible conversation. Oh, great. Talk to you soon, Kim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.